Today on Rolling with New York Mike. Start talking about motorcycles. Start talking about this brand, Harley Davidson. I'm off on the tangent. Boom, that's where I am. And now I want to talk about Harley Davidson. I look at the 2023 lineup and I'm, I want to talk about, I'm excited about it. The 120th anniversary of Harley Davidson motorcycles. Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now, his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. Okay, it's Rolling with New York Mike. Yeah, I know. It's been a, um, I don't know, for the last month, two months, I'm so swamped with doing the next big thing. (laughs) I'm excited about it. I'm really focused on it. And I'm not, nothing's going to stop my podcast. Don't get me wrong. But it, it's hard. When I owned a business, I could do get the radio show. You could schedule it in. Having sold a business two over two years ago now, it's amazing how time flies. And then, you know, I'm not going to be without a business. That's who I am. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a, I mean, I could go into the depth of what it's like not owning a business after owning a business for 50 years. <laughs> It's it's a little crazy. So it's just a natural thing. And in the last two years, I got to say, you know, there's been some disappointments. I, I, I don't even know if I should call them disappointments. You go and you embark on, okay, a new something. It's going to be a new career, okay? And if you're going to be so, oh, this didn't work out. Well, a lot of things don't work out. You got to kiss a lot of frogs before you find that princess. So, yeah, it's for us guys. <laughs> It, it, it's it's what it takes. And there are some things that I was looking at, and still are, by the way, that I, I was terribly disappointed not to be able to get them done. And some of them, I thought, just within a few months, yeah, I think the first month or two that I, I took off, I kind of, you know, kind of dialed back. There were things, the cleanup of that selling the business was, that was a lot more than I thought it was going to be, a lot more than I anticipated. And that was not a fun thing. It's still not a fun, still, it's still lingering. But, you know, looking at different opportunities, especially, you know, some with friends and acquaintances, disappointing that one or two of those didn't come through. There was a couple of things I was very excited about. But nonetheless, for the last six or eight months, I've been working on something and I'm very excited about it because at, right now it's it's almost a daily grind. It's not a schedule. We don't have it. We haven't incorporated it. We haven't formed, but we're talking about it. So the schedule is, a, is, is more chaotic and it makes it more difficult because when you get up and you go, okay, I'm going to do the podcast. They say, hey, I got a phone call. I got to meet so-and-so. Okay, let's meet over here and let's meet the 12. By the way, bring those papers. We want to make sure we got. So, you know, you got to start. You do things a little different. And again, not as organized, more random. If I mean, it's maybe not chaotic, but certainly random. And so the podcast becomes a casualty, a casualty of, of some good business opportunity. Just for now, it's not a, not a casualty in that it's it's gone casually and that it gets put off a day and a day and a day and by the way podcasts that show prep and i've i said this before i probably haven't said in a while but doing talk radio three hours a day the show prep is about an hour and a half two 
hours for a three-hour show. I'd say that's that's a fair, that's something fair. It doesn't get, the show prep isn't less for a one-hour show. I did I did a one-hour show for a long time, two one-hour shows actually every week, and it, it took the same amount of show prep as a three-hour show. But the three-hour show, in all fairness, was done on the regular talk radio thing where you're going you're gonna to get the radio affiliate, whichever one it was, and you know, I did several of them, KGB or, uh, yeah, 760 and, and 1130. And the show gets you a lot of prep, so they help out. The one-hour shows are <laughs> just on my own. And so we'll just continue with the podcast, try to keep it going with the same amount of focus. Although... When I'm doing a different business, yeah, I, I, I did want to touch on that. You know, I started to think I, I wanted to stay within the lines of Harley Davidson brand motorcycle and whatever that entails, whether it's working on custom parts or working on something else or working on touring or work, whatever it was, the business models that I looked at a lot in the beginning were because I want, I've enjoyed the 27 years of owning San Diego Harley were great 27 years every day. And I do love riding and, and spending time on, on the bike. And I, I love the brand Harley Davidson. So staying in, in that world was something that I would have liked a lot. When I get a chance and I can talk about this new venture and what I'm doing, there may be a component that I, this is a big deal. It's it's a bigger deal than I was than I was looking at or, or thinking about when after I sold San Diego Harley. I was thinking, okay, I'll go into something, you know, a small entrepreneurial, maybe a brick and mortar thing. You know, this is huge, and I'm I'm very excited about it. It's not something I would ever think of doing on my own. I'm actually I'll, I'll say tagging along with 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 a friend of mine, and I'm totally excited. And again, yes. It looks like there will be a Harley component. Having said that, I want to say something. I always say I want to talk about riding and Harley. And I always do. And I, everything gets to politics. And that's appropriate. I don't have any problem with that. I, I, that's who I am. And when I get to talking about what's important out there, how this country's run, what's going on in, in our country today is at the top of the list. It's God and country. And I, I'm reminded when I was the state director of a beta California, I used to get up on the Capitol steps and there was always someone reminded me, remember, it's God and country because I always started off talking about God bless America. And I would focus on America, the freedom that we were promised. And of course, uh, up at, at being the state director of a beta California, the focus so on freedom, but it's, the helmet law was what drove us. We, there was a lot of things that we accomplished, and, and the bait still accomplishes. The freedom to ride your motorcycle on the HOV lanes, veterans license plates. There, there's so many things that the bait is responsible for, uh, for getting. Trying to get rid of this helmet law was always the biggest thing. And I always say the, the reason the helmet law is so important is because a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. When you talk about freedom in America and you throw in, well, we shouldn't have helmet laws, people go, Jesus Christ, it's so trivial. Why are you putting that up there? 
because it's it's one of those things that you could call the weakest link. That other people whose worlds of m- maybe it's skateboarding or, or something of bicycle riding or mountain climbing or whatever, th- maybe their little world is threatened. The th- the freedom is threatened by some law. Now there's going to be people wildly in favor of those laws. It's just the way it is. But to me, the freedom not to be able to decide for yourself whether to wear a helmet or not is a freedom lost. And it's an important freedom. It's the government being able to tell you how to dress. And then defining what's safe. I mean, I, I can speak for an hour on this alone. I can speak for a lot longer than that. Is a helmet, wearing a helmet actually safer? Yeah, if you crash right on your head and you're wearing a helmet, you're better off with the helmet. But what if the helmet is part of what makes you crash? What if your sight line? What if your peripheral vision? What if whatever? Or what if when you crash and you, your head hits because you're wearing a heavy helmet, the same situation, your head wouldn't have hit at all. There's so many things. And then the fact about your brain is like the yolk of an egg. Just picture it inside the head and, and it goes from side to side. There's so much. And there's so many reasons why. We've been able to take the helmet law out of places like the state of Florida, the state of Texas, state of Pennsylvania. Only two years ago, the state of Missouri, only 19 states have helmet laws for adults. That's what we did. And I was always reminded that God is the most important component of everything we do. That's what brings us the freedom. And I remember that. And I don't know why I went to that, but I, I did. Because talking about motorcycling, talking about Harleys, talking about freedom, freedom to ride the way we want to ride, freedom, that's a big deal. And But we can't forget that the reason we have this freedom in America is because we're the first nation ever to be founded because of the fact that we're endowed by our creator with inalienable rights, rights that are inalienable. It can't be taken away, not by a person, not by a government, not legally. Anybody can can take away your freedom by the rest. Somebody sticks a knife in your throat or a gun in your face and and says, you got to do this. You're being forced to do something. Well, that's the same thing as the jackboot of government on your neck. So we don't want that to usurp the God-given freedom. And you've got to be able to differentiate that. And I look at people say, what about seatbelt laws? Well, I, I don't like seatbelt laws either. You think I'm irrational or something? Yeah, maybe. But I value freedom overall. And the, the freedom for those to discern which safety factors they're going to follow, I think is fine. Yeah. Is there a loss in when you go out in the rain, you got to wear protective <laughs> rain boots and, and rain hats. And there are people that think that we should have such laws. If you go out below 38 degrees, I mean, if you wear cleats on the golf course, why not when it gets below 30 something degrees? Because you're going to be walking on. I, I, I mean, it's so stupid. But that's how some people think. And I, to me, it's the same thing as helmet laws. Now, I'm very comfortable going across country wearing a full face helmet because I'm, I'm going through elements that I wouldn't ride through normally, especially when it gets down below even 50 degrees and you're going 80 miles an hour. What's the wind chill factor and where are you? That's cold. And, and it starts a little bit of rain, sometimes snow, sleet, hail. Come on. It, it's and I'm, and I'm talking about in May and June and July. I'm not talking about riding across the country in December, January, and December, which I've done many times. So I'm comfortable wearing that helmet to protect me from them elements, allowing me to 
do something as ridiculous as riding through the country in January from California to Washington, D.C. for an inauguration. Okay? Sometimes you say, yeah, you're going to get up and jump on that head, but throw that helmet on. Then now you can do wheelies and you can do other. Well, yeah. So anyway, that's, there's an argument there and there's a reason to talk about motorcycling and freedom and all the things that, and our God-given rights. Not rights given to us by the government, the privileges that the government thinks they could bestow on us. Our rights are given to us by God. That's what makes America the greatest country in the world, okay? So now, (laughs) I get off on these tangents. Start talking about motorcycles, start talking about this brand, Harley Davidson. I'm off on a tangent, boom, that's where I am. And now, I wanna talk about Harley Davidson. I look at the 2023 lineup, and I wanna talk about I'm excited about it. The 120th anniversary of Harley-Davidson motorcycles. And no, don't tell me about the fact that Indian Motorcycles was founded two years earlier in 1901. And Harley was founded in 1903. Because Indian Motorcycles went out of business in 1953. So they lasted 52 total years. Period. The end. And the Indian Motorcycle, you see, is the name. It's not the company. The company went out of business in 19. 53. And I remember it distinctly because as a kid, I was broken hearted. I loved Harleys and Indians. I lived in Sheepshead Bay, Coney Island, walking Surf Avenue in Coney Island. At the end of it is the cyclone in front of the cyclone, back to the curb were all these motorcycles, Harleys and Indians. And it was hard for us to choose between which ones we'd want to, we'd want to ride. It's like me and my friends arguing, are you going to be in the Marines or are you going to be a paratrooper? <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing was, you can ride a Harley, you're going to ride an Indian. And, and that, you know, this is seven, eight, nine-year-old kids. So that was 1953. Gone. Never to return except in name only. And the fact that they even talk about being founded in 1901 is, is one of the things that really bothers me about the brand. If they were honest, they're an American brand. They have a certain look and a certain appeal. They're, they're well made. I, I, I don't want to knock them. There are things I don't like about them, but there's things I don't like about everything. So it's just the way it is. And th- that was that was what it was. And so Harley Davidson celebrating 120 years being in business, fighting through when they should have gone bankrupt, fighting through when they were the ups and the downs, selling to AMF, buying it back. Whatever kept them alive, kept them alive. And I'm looking at the new lineup and there's things I'm excited about. The, the bikes are beautiful. And I'll say this about the bikes. State of the art in motorcycling is Harley Davidson, the M8 engine, all all the, the improvements that they've made, especially since the Rushmore models of 2014, which was a, a very important year, huge, a huge year for Harley. That Rushmore project was tremendous. And the improvements since incrementally better every single model year is phenomenal. And I, and I love that. And I'm, I wonder because of what's going on with the brand today, is there anything that I should be concerned about? Now, look, I, I looked at the model lineup. Really cool. Nothing too crazy. They got a really cool anniversary logo, which I like. 
And I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to have it through every every bike. I, I think it's selectively put on, whether it's painted on or whether it's the actual metallic logo. However it is, it's, it's kind of cool. They came out with a, I think, a, a real improved trike and, and freewheeler, they call it. It's a three-wheeler. They call it freewheel, and it looks good. I'm not a dealer. So I don't get to inspect the bike or you know, spend a, a half a day going through all the details. But I was down at the shop at San Diego Harley, and I did look through what, what they had and spent a little bit of time. I'm definitely going to go back. But from what I've seen, it's pretty cool. They brought back the breakout. I mean, I'm not a big, I was never a big breakout guy, but it's certainly a good looking bike. And they got a cool Sportster with gauges and things and all that stuff. I, I think the colors are okay. I'm not wild about them. You know, maybe they're a little questionable, but overall, real good looking, kind of a low key on the anniversary. Maybe not quite as much, but it's it's only the first week. So maybe they're going to ramp it up. And just when they bring them out, like a day before, maybe a couple of days before. I don't want to be exaggerating. <laughs> maybe it's even as much as a week before. YZ Yoakam Z, the chairman of the board, announces that Harley is going to be all electric. Yeah, all electric. That's what he announces. He decides it's important to announce that they're going to be all electric. And of course, he says, oh, it's going to take time. But as soon as he says that, I'm looking for electric bikes to, to be the focus of the brand. And I'm going, what the hell is that all about? Why would somebody choose to do that or think that that's something important to do? Or even why do it at all? If, you, if you're going to do that, why don't you bring out a model or two and say, hey, look at this electric bike we have. We think you're going to like it. I mean, the EV model that they had was a great bike to ride, but you could only ride about 100 miles and then it was an eight-hour charging time that's a, that's not practical no one's going to do that oh yeah they had a couple of trips across the country they paid a couple of actors a lot of money to ride their bike from south america but they had chase trucks and, and they had they had batteries and they changed batteries and they, come on will you that was total bullshit and i didn't like it when they did it but the average rider Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna make the entire brand electric, when you say that, all you're doing is saying, I'm a believer in climate change, global warming, the world's coming to an end, we're gonna be around what? What did Al Gore said twelve years and then this um Norwegian you know, whatever Greta whatever. She predicted the end in 10 years, 12 years. AOC's predict. They're all like, the world's coming to an end because of climate change. What bullshit. What ridiculousness. But that's where they are. That's their religion, their belief. I'm not in that camp, and I don't think the vast majority of Harley-Davidson riders are in that camp. Yeah, there's going to be a few. We got some liberals. We don't differentiate. We don't say, oh, you can't ride Harley because you, you, you vote the wrong way. No. <laughs> Everybody's welcome to the club, man. Come on, join in. Get on the ride. No problem. But for the most part, I think we're a bunch of very patriotic. And, and I say that. Why? Because I, I know for myself, in 1967, when I said, I got to go with Harley, it was because we saw what was coming. The undermining of American industry by foreign brands coming in, particularly the Japanese brands. That's just the way it was. It doesn't make me anti-Japanese. The Germans had BMW motorcycles. I distinctly remember riding through North Carolina at night in the cold of winter, riding to New York on my Triumph and being passed and laughed at in the dark 
by BMWs. And I had my girlfriend, Carol, on the back of the bike. And we're right there. Those BMWs just hummed by. No problem. I'm on, I'm on my, my Triumph. A rattle trap at 80 miles an hour. <laughs> you know, and freezing cold. I mean, and look, but BMW, Mercedes, Vans, German products, and Italian products, other foreign products, they never dropped price. They never, they never attacked the American market that way. And the Japanese did. And I, and I think they've paid the price for it. Maybe not with everybody, with me. I'm very skeptical of what they're doing today versus then. But I'm also very pro-American. It's not that I'm anti-anything. But we would certainly be an undermine. The high quality that they that they represented and the, the lower prices. How do you how do you juggle that? How do you rationalize that? And I I couldn't do it. I said this is wrong. They're attacking us. Literally, it was an economic attack. And so I jumped on a on a Harley. It was 1967, Columbia, South Carolina, Kirby's Harley Davidson. And I'm looking at these monster-looking bikes. They were so... And it, it, look, I don't even... I, I never even thought about a new bike. Well, you know, I did... I think a, a 650 Lightning, a BSA Lightning, um, a 650 was about 600 bucks, which is a huge amount of money back then. But a 10-year-old used Harley was almost the same amount. I think that first one I paid for was over four. The BSA 440 was about the same price. A brand new one was about the same price as a beat up 10 year old Harley. Not that the one I got was beat up, but man, it beat me up. <laughs> but you know, we I, I bought it. I don't want to say we, I bought it because it was American and I wanted to ride American. I wanted everything. I was tired of the Panasonics coming in and all these other brands of the Hondas, the Datsuns. They were great, but they weren't American. And they were kicking our ass. And so that's why we went in that direction. Not because it was a better bike. It wasn't. It was the worst bike in the world. I used to tell everybody it's the worst bike in the world except for the Ural. <laughs> so, so we'd always be able to beat Russia. <laughs> that was the reason. And electric? Yeah, I know. The, the first real successful electric car wasn't the Prius. I don't know how successful that was or not. Never captured the imagination of anybody. But the Tesla did. And that's all American. So you can argue, but it goes against the, the, the mentality of those of us who like, wait a minute, we're not ready. The grid isn't ready. The technology isn't ready. The charging times, the length of it. But Elon Musk was able to overcome all that in a lot of ways. Is Harley going to be able to set up charging stations for Harleys the way Elon did for Teslas? Is he going to be able to come out with a, a long enough riding time? Is he going to be able to bring us 200 miles down the road before we have to recharge? And then the reasonable recharge time? And then the feeling of confidence that we can find a, a charging station wherever? I don't think so. I think we're a long ways away from that. And then will there be a, enough electricity in the grid to handle all the cars, trucks, and motorcycles that'll be out there looking for electricity at a reasonable price? No, I don't see it. But I do see in time, creativity will help us discover the next great thing in transportation, in energy. I think we're, we're going to be there. I, I think we've, we've already seen it in nuclear fusion. It's a matter of bringing it to the consumer. How long is that going to take? And, and what form is it going to take? We're going to be there. It's going to take probably 20 years. 
maybe more, maybe less, but use that as a guideline. And then we'll, to announce, only, that only says, I'm with the World Economic Forum, WEF. I'm a WEFA. Yeah, I'm part of that crew. Count me in. Klaus Schwab, raise my hand. I'm there, guy. That that doesn't make me feel good as an American, riding an American brand, trying to stand up to the world. We've got enough, enough energy under our feet right here in America to sustain, you know, cars, trucks, automobiles, and all the rest of it for at least 30 or 40 years, if not longer. We can go that long until a much better energy source is discovered and packaged. We're fine. Don't mess with America. And certainly Americans shouldn't acquiesce to this world economic forum mentality, this new world order that's calling for the end of fossil fuel. Joe Biden's war cry, the minute he walked into the White House, a war on fossil fuel. That's wrong. It's stupid. It's wrong. It's un-American. Because we don't have to go to Venezuela or Saudi Arabia or any place else for all the fossil fuel we need to keep America running decades to come. We don't need any help from anybody. It's 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 all us. So YZ, Joachim Zeitz, the CEO of Harley, announcing this transition to all electric. Harley Davidson will be all electric. What's with that? Why even say that unless you've just picked a political side of a controversial national issue that may be the or at least one of the most divisive of issues in the world, worldwide, today, yeah. By the way, when when you announce it, you go on electric. Once you announce blind spot lights on the side mirrors, there's something I want. Yeah, and I'm serious about that. Yeah, I'm looking at a new bike right now. My bike's two years old. I got a lot of miles on it. I love it. It's good. I could ride it for another five years. I could put another two, three hundred thousand miles on it. I'm sure. Just like my friend Dave Zine. Dave Zine rode that bike of his. I, I don't even know what year it was. He put a million miles on that bike. <laughs> Yeah, he did. He always had faith in the bike and never let him down. I can't say never. I could. I love my bike. My bike's a great. It's a, it's a Road King special. I got it set up just the way I, I want it, the way I love riding it. It's great. I don't need a new bike. It's just more practical to, to get one. Do I want an anniversary 2023 or maybe the last of the 22s? I don't know. I'm looking. And I'll be going down to, to San Diego Harley to look and to see and to talk to them. But where are my blind spot mirrors? <laughs> That's what I want. Those are the improve. That's some of the improvements I want. Was it really necessary to make that statement? I think not. And I think it was ill-advised, not just unnecessary, ill-advised in the face of at least half in my face. It insults me. But I'm, I'm loyal to the brand. I'm loyal to my friends. And I'm believing that maybe it's time the board of directors stepped up and changed horses. Maybe this guy, Joachim Zeitz, is not the guy that we should have leading this iconic American brand. Yeah, I know. He's not a dictator, but maybe he is. Maybe he is because the next thing I'm concerned about is there are two models. I think it's two. A 350 something or other, and I think a 550, I could be wrong. It's kind of annoying to me to even know too much about these two models. For entry-level riders, oh, that's a good thing. Made in China. Made in partnership with a Chinese manufacturer. Benelli's in there someplace. I saw that. I read the article in Rider Magazine, and I'm like, huh? Well, 
If I was a dealer, look, I became a Harley dealer because they became a Harley rider because I loved the brand. I, you know, I, 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 I knew that we weren't the best in the world, but we were so much better than we have been. We made so many improvements and there was so much hope and there was so much belief in the future. Willie G was just getting his stride, designing new models and styles. And, and we knew that the engineering was coming. We knew it. We had the low rider. We had we had the bikes that we love, and we knew that we were going to make them better and better every year. The bagger was getting better. It was all there, so we were excited about it. We were going forward. We were, and then we fulfilled the the goal of being the state of the art, the best of the best. I'm not going to get into a argument about is Harley better than BMW or is Harley better. We reached the point in motorcycling where. The brands, the technology was just great. And, and we reached that level, that peak of performance that we all had. And here's Harley right there at the top. We all climbed the mountain and reached that peak. We summited, we were at the summit together. And that was great. And we could hang around and talk to each other. And we could say, well, mine's prettier than yours. Or mine makes a better noise. Or mine's better in, when the wind, when, the, when it's real windy. You ride a road glide through windy conditions. You're not going to, it's going to be hard to go to anything else. That's how well that bike performs when it's windy. It's just, it's amazing. It's a, it's great. Now, I don't ride BMWs and Hondas and whatever other brands. I don't care how good they are. It's going to be hard to beat what we've got right now today. And I'm very proud of that. So why bring in Chinese models? You had the Buell, we had the 500s and the 700s, we had the streets, we had all that, all made in America. The Buell was, it was as good a motorcycle as there ever was. Unfortunately, trying to market two brands was not, the efficiency was just not there. It was a terrible marketing burden and it's life. So it went away and, and I'll, I'll stick to the fact it was all marketing. It was never anything wrong. That was a great motorcycle. But again, marketing two brands, but we had that. Build on it, play on it. We had the model, we had the blueprint. We could do it right here. Why not? Why rub in the face of why I ride a Harley by bringing in a brand, bringing in a model made in China of all places? I mean, I don't know what would have been worse, making it in Germany. You know, when the, the V-Rod was a collaboration, Porsche, to build that engine. Okay, it never offended me. It's a collaboration. Still made in America. As a matter of fact, the Indian Scout is essentially two-thirds of a V-Rod. That's what it is. It's it's the same model, okay? And, and nobody says anything about that. A collaboration with German technology. There's nothing wrong with collaborating with other people. There is something wrong with saying to the Germans, build my V-Rod. <laughs> No, we don't want to do that. So doing it with China is a slap in the face. It, patriots, as far as I'm concerned, if you're not offended by that, am I going to say, oh, you're not a patriot? I, I don't think that's fair. I do think that is a slap in the face to those of us who are patriots. So it's a lot of people that I think in America today that don't get it. I'm not one to say they're un-American or they're, well, they just don't see it. And I and I think this this country is slipping away little by little. We talk about that on on most of the most of the subjects, most of the podcasts. We're talking about the erosion of of the America we know, the Constitution, the freedom of speech. 
freedom of religion, freedom of the Second Amendment, the freedom to own and bear arms. I mean, cherished, guarantees all the other amendments, all the, the, the Constitution. It's all we've got. And, and yet there are people that say, oh, no, Gavin Newsom saying that owning an AR-15 is a suicide pact? What are you, stupid? Not owning a weapon may be a suicide pact. Just allowing yourself to be a victim. If somebody breaks into your home, maybe that's a suicide pact. Owning a weapon is not. And by the way, with these people, and, I, and this is just an aside, it's not what I plan on talking about, but of course, I just drift as I, <laughs> as I go along. But look, when we talk about what's going on in the country today, and we're talking about drug use, not only the people who die, the people who become zombies. It's kind of interesting. I don't like watching these zombie movies on TV, but they're so prevalent. They're out there all the way. Why? Because it's a reflection of who America is becoming, America's youth. They're becoming the zombies. They're living in, a, in an alternative universe of, of zombies. They're not even alive. But that's what we're doing. And, and that's bringing this country down. And you're worried about uh, gun owners? Because how many people die every year from guns? A thousand? I don't know what the number is. Whatever the number is, it is. But a hundred thousand Americans are dying of fentanyl. A hundred thousand every year. Year after year and it's growing. How many people die of alcoholism, drinking and driving? How many people die? How many people how many people's lives are oppressed? Suppressed, oppressed because they don't have any motivation. They're using drugs, they're drinking, they're getting away with it. They're smoking dope every day. Their friends are going, oh, it's fine. It's even legal. Guess what? You can have all the marijuana you want. Is it healthy? Is it building a stronger America? Is it building a stronger youth, more committed to being healthy and wealthy and wise, more committed to learning? No, we have a school system that's not committed to learning. It's committed to, to, to brainwashing and manipulation. That's what they're committed to. Teaching things like diversity and CRT and different gender stuff they call science. That's what they're committed to. Reading, writing, arithmetic, the three R's as, as they used to call them. That, they're not committed to that. When there's a show of excellence, the high schools in Virginia, there were 19 of them, if I, if I remember right, 19, only a week or so ago, that said they're not going to allow these kids to get their merit awards, which might get them into, into better college or free tuition or, draw, or, or reduced amounts because it's going to make the kids that didn't get those awards self-conscious, make them feel like less. Oh, so sad. I mean, what kind of bullshit is going on in America? This is prevalent throughout the whole country. This CRT crap that in, in essence says we're not a good country. We were never a good country. We were never founded on good principles. We're founded on the backs of slaves. We're built on the backs of slaves. What bullshit? It's a total lie. And it, it totally denigrates America. These are people going out there and saying, how can we sabotage patriotism? How can we take away that spark that, that keeps Americans so American, so patriotic, so ready and willing and able to do what they have to do for the betterment of their country that doesn't make them proud to be American? That doesn't make them that like, yeah, we're the greatest country in the world. How do we take that away? Well, you wrote it over time. And who started it? I'll tell you who started it. Those hippies and beatniks and, and those anti-Vietnam anti protesters that hated the country. They hated the country. I came back from Vietnam. I was subject 
to the hatred, to the distorted kind of everything of looking at me like I was a baby killer, protecting a girl I was dating at University of South Carolina for me, for me, because she didn't know when we went out that I was a Vietnam vet, that I was in Vietnam. She didn't know that. And if I had fully disclosed that, she would never have gone. That's what they said. Yeah, you, you could not believe it if you know it sounds horrible, terrible. It was common, ordinary. It happened all the time. Happened to all my friends. Nobody would admit to being a Vietnam vet. Nobody when they have right minds, unless they're independently wealthy. But those people all got passes. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's... That was the way it was. So those people that, that you know, evolved from just not wanting to be in war, not wanting to go to Vietnam, not wanting to save the South Vietnamese people, even look at what we were trying to do. They evolved to say, what a horrible country. Because they would try to celebrate our vets of World War II at the time. And even Korea, they called the Forgotten War because these people didn't want to talk about that. But they couldn't help talking about World War II because we saved the world. And so they had to talk about World War II. They separated us from that generation by calling the World War II people the greatest generation. What was the, the, the people that died in World War II? They were the greatest generation as opposed to the people who died in Vietnam. How about that? Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not at, at peace with that at all. The kids who died fighting the war that I fought in, the kids that I saw die, the kids that I fought with, with who were killed, they were the greatest generation of our generation. Every generation that the warriors, the ones who go and fight for you and me to have this great life in America, which most of these idiots don't even appreciate. They just don't. They want an equal outcome for everybody. They want equity. I laugh when I see it on the sweatshirts and the hats of the NFL. Equity. So everybody that tries out should have a chance to play. That's equity. You hypocrite pieces of just, they don't, they may not be stupid. They're making millions of dollars. They think we're stupid. Equity and inclusion. Who are you including? Best of the best. You talk about a meritocracy? That's the NFL. By far the, the, the most perfect example of a meritocracy. If you're not the fastest, if you can't do everything on that field better than everybody else, you're not getting on the team. That's it. Even if you're on the team, you're not getting back on the team. If somebody can come in there and be better than you. That's just the way it is. And that's the way it should be. I'm not knocking it. But that's the way it should be in everything we do. And then you will raise the level of this nation as a nation. And everyone else will rise to the occasion of the United States reaching to find the best of, of all of us. Not, not diversity by finding a person of a different color, creed, or nationality, whatever. Finding the best person, no matter what their color, creed, religion, nationality, place of origin, whether, yeah, in spite of all that, not because of it, in spite of it. That's what makes anything, a business, a country, an NFL team, or any other team, that's what makes them great. By by finding the best in spite of all those factors. The sexual orientation doesn't matter. Get the best. Not because they're of different whatever, but in spite of it. And, and that's what we need to fight for. Now, when we talk about America and we, and we talk about what's going on, yeah, and I'm very concerned about brand Harley-Davidson that I, that I love. 
And I worry about the Chinese military superiority, the demasculinity of America. I, I, am I worried about what's going on at the border? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Maybe not today. But I've talked about the cartels and the Biden administration partnering with the cartels. The cartels spell human trafficking, rape. I mean, all that. It's there. It's right there. Right in front of us. We see it. There's this whole document thing. This is big. I don't want to relitigate the whole Trump document thing. I didn't think there was any there there. I didn't. But is there there when you talk about the Biden documents? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're all over the place. And they're in his Chinese partners building his little clubhouse in Washington, D.C. with the Penn State partnering with the Chinese. I mean, this is wrong. And they're just left all over the place, very sloppily. And we don't know what's in any of those things. Are there nuclear secrets? No, I don't think so. But are there secrets about his relationship with Iran, with his relationship with the Ukraine, China? We don't know, and we have a right to know, because that's a current and present danger. Clearly, <laughs> a current and present danger, and we need to know. And by the way, not only do, do I think it's so stupid when we talk about people who threaten our right to own and bear arms, again, going up against all these other factors that are causing us great harm. Deaths, 100,000 just from fentanyl. How many from other forms of things? Not weapons, not guns, but the whole, I want to say, demasculinity of America. And that means a lot. It's not just a masculine thing. It's a, it's talking about the everyone gets a trophy thing. Take away the competition. Competition's everything in America. And if you don't instill that from the very earliest in children, instill that sense of competition, people are going to lose. And lives are going to be lost. A lot more lives because of that, the inability to compete, than if you took away the guns. And of course, if you took away the guns, you're just, you're just opening everything up for, for the cartels, for the criminals, for the gangs. It's easy to make gun when i was a kid we, we we had zip guns yeah well we didn't have today's technology but they worked boy they worked and by the way you know you could take your ray off 15s and your 30 30s and your 30 odd sixes you could take them all all i want is my shotgun give me that 12 gauge baby that 12 gauge pump boom i'm 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 happy with that i don't have to aim i don't have to be a good shot i don't have to go down and practice with it <laughs> i don't have to do anything but point and shoot and that's it and when you pump that sucker up and you hear that sound, boy, if, if, you're, if you're facing the barrel of that, if you're on the badass side of that, you better be concerned that you're a total moron. And, and the other thing that I talk about, before I talk about the last thing I want to talk about, the other thing I want to talk about, they're talking about mental health. Oh, we got to take care of mental health. We need more focus on mental health. Be careful what you wish for, because you will find that you will be disqualified from so many things because of mental health. You will be institutionalized and disqualified from owning not just guns or driving a car or a truck or a bus or a motorcycle or whatever. Just be careful of weaponizing mental health as this new issue. Because there was upon a time, once upon a time, mental health was that issue. And lastly, I meant to talk about it a lot today, <laughs> but I didn't, but I will. And I want to talk about our debt, the debt ceiling. 
Everybody's worried about the debt ceiling. And I, and I think it's appropriate. Don't get me wrong. I think we should always be responsible with how much money we spend. We should set that example for every household and every person. The, the government is no different, but it is different. I want to talk about that. If you have a budget from the government, you better spend every nickel of it, or you will not get that budget next year. It'll be reduced. If you're in a business, you set a budget. If you can come in under budget, you're a freaking hero. It's just the opposite. Think about it. And I want to talk about our debt to China. How much has China stolen from us in the last, what, two decades, three decades, the last 40 years? How much have they stolen from us? Because I think that more than offsets our debt, okay? At least our debt to China. So those are things I think we should have a better understanding of. And I want to talk about those in the future. So for today, I want to thank you for being there. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for bearing with me. It's going to be a little while longer, maybe another month or so, un un until we either have or don't have this project that I've been working on for for quite a while. Well, I'm excited about it. and putting it in place. It's distracting because it has to be my focus. And when I get a moment when it happens and I can talk about it, I'm going to be happy to talk about it and you're going to love hearing about it. So until then, I'm New York Mike. Again, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing to Rolling with New York Mike. And for right now, I'm out. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.